I'm Paul DiRienzo with the news. The Queen, a powerless yet influential post, was head of the Commonwealth of Nations, an association of former British colonies that has grown to 56 nations. The Commonwealth grew out of the 1950s and 60s decolonization of much of the former British Empire, then the largest empire amassed in history. At one time, the empire encompassed a quarter of the world's population and land, and even the colonies that became the United States. It was a bloody empire built on fables of British superiority and racial domination. In fact, the princess, who became queen on the death of her father, was visiting the colony of Kenya when she heard the news she was now the queen. At the time, a bloody rebellion was being fought. A Ugandan-American author, journalist, and professor is Milton Alamadi. He says while the queen might not have been a bad person, the monarchy has been a nightmare for millions of his subjects, and the effects linger until today. I'm Ugandan-born, so you know, I grew up in Uganda. And I grew up here in the United States as well, because I went to college here. But obviously, as a historian, I mean, I look back uh, from a historical approach, and as a Pan-African as well, who believes in total African independence. So it's impossible to separate her from the institution, uh, which, of course, is a monarchy, which, of course, uh, was built on imperialism. So she might have been a nice person as an individual, but, of course, the uh, monarchy and its legacy in Africa uh, in fact, one can say that African countries remained impoverished because of the institution of uh, uh, European imperialism, not just British, of course, French imperialism, uh, Portuguese, Belgium, and all that contributed to the conditions that we see in Africa uh, today. I mean, as you know, the continent was partitioned at a conference that Africans were not even aware was occurring, the Berlin Conference. <laughs> in 1884-85, and that's how Britain ended up with large chunks of territory. Uh, the French, likewise, the Portuguese, the Belgians, and so forth. Um, and the wars of imperial conquest were actually very, uh, very bloody and horrific. So, for example, when uh, people resisted conquest in what is now Zimbabwe, one of the renowned leaders was a woman named Nyehanda, and she was ultimately executed in 1898. And according to uh, you know, all reports and indications, her head was then uh, cut off and uh, delivered uh, uh, to the United Kingdom. And up to date, the Zimbabweans are still demanding for the return of that. <laughs> and then also in her particular case, she was in Kenya mm -hmm. when uh, her father died and she became uh, the queen. In 1952, in 1952 was the year in Kenya which, uh, when the uh, the War of Independence really escalated, and the British declared a state of emergency against the Kenya Land and Freedom Army, and went into the very clever propaganda of demonizing them as godless savages, uh, tagged a label on them called Mau Mau, which is not even an authentic African word, and that propaganda was then. Uh, you know, duplicated by U.S. Uh, media as well. And it allowed them, once you've been demonized, as you know, you can really do horrific uh, things to people, and uh, people will just stand, the outside world will just, you know, stand aside. By declaring the state of emergency, the British were then able to bring in soldiers from other British colonies as well as uh, British troops from Britain and really horrifically uh, crush this uh, uh, war of liberation.
and the principal, the majority of people who were killed were actually civilians. Um, some of the British commanders, and there's a very good, uh, by the way, about this uh, called Imperial Reckoning by uh, Harvard professor Caroline Elkins. Um, I think the estimates of uh, civilians that were killed go up to as far as uh, 100,000 uh, by the time this war was over. Wow. And only 32 uh, they call themselves settlers. Uh, now, you know, I can't bring myself to say that because if you come to somebody's country, you kick them off the land and you take over the land, you're hardly a settler, right? <laughs> well, let's go with that designation anyway. Only 32 settlers were killed during the entire period of this war. And yet the Kenyans lost about 100,000 people. So the Kenyans remember that imperial era in a very different way, of course, than anybody else would. But Africans generally, because this is the final point I would like to make. When Europeans uh, took over African territories, basically what they did was they created plantations. So what Africans were allowed to do was grow certain crops. They call them cash crops, as you know, like uh, tobacco, uh, tea, coffee, that were then exported to Europe. You can't eat that. So that affected the food production. And we see that pattern even today. Now there's a you know, famine going on in African countries uh, because of that same pattern that was established, focusing on producing crops that will be exported for revenue uh, to the industrialized countries and ignoring the production of food for consumption of your own citizens. And then the second thing was that uh, the, uh, the European occupiers of African territory took raw resources back to their factories in Europe, so let's take cotton, for example. Cotton would be taken, uh, turned into textiles and clothing, and then sent back for Africans, sorry about that, for Africans to buy at a grossly inflated price. And that's why Africa was not able to industrialize. So today, in the 21st century, African countries primarily still produce uh, primary uh, commodities exported to the industrialized countries, including the United States, and import manufacturers. And you really can't move forward like that. That is a formula for uh, perpetual impoverishment. Last question. How should we think of the queen to wrap this up? Uh, The queen as a person. She seems to be a nice person, doing a lot of charitable work. But the queen represents the people around the world know her because she's the leader of the British monarchy. So that's why I said from the beginning, it's very hard to separate the person from the institution of the monarchy. We're now in the 21st century. Obviously, her reign was long when imperialism was really still, uh, how should I say, very firm and very aggressive and very brutal. Now it's done in a very different way. So we, I, I personally, if somebody were to ask my view, I would, so, you know, hope that institution should, you know, should be abolished. I mean, obviously, it's very symbolic now, but still, uh, they still take a lot from British taxpayers, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the uh, Uganda, does Uganda have the Queen's picture on their money anymore or anything like that? No, 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 no. I think most British, most African countries removed that. I yeah. think a couple of the Caribbean countries still have that, but I don't know of any African country that. Uh-huh. Very uh, interesting. Yeah, I always found that mm-hmm. weird that you had some other person's leader on your money. It was very strange. All right, great. Thank you very much. <laughs> Appreciate your time, Milton. I'll send you the link when it's okay, done. Okay, thank you. All right, bye-bye. All right, be well. You too. Milton Alamadi is a Ugandan-American author, journalist, and professor. He spoke with the news earlier today.